holidays, everybody. It's, this is great. It's that time of year. I hope everyone had a Thanksgiving. Had a Thanksgiving. Well, that, I, I think I'm assuming that most people did. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I hope it was scrumptious. It was as pain-free as possible. Awkward conversations were avoided or at least kept to, you know, a minimal amount of time. And uh, I hope it was a good one. I played, tur- I played Turkey Bowl without an injury, so that's automatically a, uh, you know, a highlight. That's a, that's a year to remember, so that was encouraging. And now tonight, it's that time of year. I have, I'm, I, as of recording this tonight, me and the significant other, we're going to go to a Christmas tree lighting. It's going to be great. She's going to be happy. Maybe we'll break out into song together as we go down the street. You never know what's going to happen around this time of year. It's just so magical. And you know what else is magical? The NBA. Is that a good enough transition? I don't know. It doesn't matter. We're going to talk basketball. That's what we do on this show anyway. So I'm going to keep this intro pretty brief. Coming up here, I got a couple of quick hitters, just topics that I want to touch on uh, as we're this quarter way through the season, things that have caught my eye over the past couple of weeks. And uh, after I go over that, I'm bringing on my coworker over at Bleacher Nation, Luis Medina, and him and I are going to uh, power rank of sorts. I put it in, I'll describe it later, but I put it in this uh, sink or swim is the, the words I'm using, and we're going to look at the bottom 15 teams in the NBA and talk about who should keep pushing for a better tomorrow and who should tank for a better tomorrow. And then we'll have a more extended conversation on tanking as a whole, as well as where the Chicago Bulls currently stand, because even if I wasn't somebody who focused on the Chicago Bulls on a daily basis and made myself crazy, they would be one of the, the teams to discuss when we're talking about a topic like sink or swim, because they're right in the middle of the pack. It's hard to kind of talk about exactly what they should do. They're one of the more interesting teams in terms of having players that people around the league would really like, and also having players that maybe you can retool and continue to push in the right direction. So we're going to talk about all of that and just talk about where the bottom half of the NBA in general stands. So I look forward to that conversation with Luis. But first, why don't we talk about some quick hitters? The goal here is to uh, keep things quick, hence the name, quick hitters, because we're going to have a nice long conversation with Luis. So I'm just going to rattle off some uh, of the recent trends in the NBA and things to keep an eye on. So first thing I want to talk about, I think it's one of the biggest stories in the NBA right now, obviously, is the success of the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics offense, uh, it's funny because last year, right, the whole turnaround was based off of their defensive identity and just basically a historic second half of the season defensively. And it's not that they're not a good defensive team anymore, but it's just that their offense has really caught up. And a big reason for that has been the emergence of Jason Tatum. He has really hit his groove, looks like the MVP candidate that everybody uh, thought that he could be when he was selected uh, on draft night. So he continues to come along. He continues to become the two-way player that uh, the Celtics need. But in addition to him, honestly, has been the emergence of Jalen Brown. Uh, that's probably the best duo in the NBA, the two of them. Brown continues to uh, improve as a scorer. He's been extremely efficient around the rim this year. And uh, another you know elite two-way player, of course. But I also think Malcolm Brogdon deserves a shout-out. I, I think if you go back uh, you know, a handful of shows and you look back in the offseason, this was a signing that I praised and one that I thought was going to kind of do wonders for the Celtics. Because when you look at it, his entire career, Malcolm Brogdon has been a player who is a starting point guard, right? He's, he's a starting caliber player. He's been also highly efficient in his own right. But because I think, what, he's been a 50-40-90 type player um, for most of his career. And... It's just been injuries. That's been the big issue. So the question has always been, okay, if he can't manage to stay healthy in you know a bigger role, uh, what if you put him on the bench? What if you make him a six man? What if you make it? You limit his minutes a little bit, but you can keep him on the floor for longer. Because the question has never been whether or not he is a winning player when he's on the floor. It's about health. So this season, I think what the Celtics have been able to do by uh, having him kind of lead their second unit, be that spark plug scorer off the bench, but also be a really good initiator of the offense. Uh, you know, he's always been a decent uh, offensive player, at least somebody who tries on that end of the floor. So what, he's shooting 49% from three right now. So that's pretty good. I mean, it's, you know, only four attempts per game, but that's something. And he's shooting 50% uh, from the field to start the season. So 14 and a half points per game right now. 
he's been awesome and he uh, has been a big reason why I think this team has looked so balanced and uh, that was a great signing and I think honestly if Danilo Gallinari was healthy for them that team would probably be even scarier because that adds another three-point threat uh, for a team that already likes to hit a lot of threes so if he can make it back this year that's going to be really interesting okay so Boston Celtics uh, top team in the league yeah all right the East, I still think, I say all this, and I've said it so many times on this on this podcast, I still have to think the East runs through Milwaukee. Uh, they've kind of tailed off a little bit since their hot, their own hot start this year, but they still look awesome. Uh, Giannis, obviously, you just can't rule him out. I still think Giannis is the best player in the world. And the big news for them, obviously, is that Chris Middleton is about to come back for them. I believe, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, he might have already made his season debut, but he's supposed to return on Friday night. So big get back for them obviously it's going to be interesting to see how he looks if he looks a little bit rusty uh you know how quickly it takes him to get back into the swing of things but they've already been so good they've already had kind of uh, we talk about historic defenses over the celtics right well i think i saw recently they've been the best sell the best defense uh that the nba has seen so far since the pistons of the uh 03 04 season a lot of season left obviously we'll see if they can keep that up but their defense is elite Brooke Lopez is protecting the rim at an all-time level, even though he continues to get up there in age. And then Giannis, obviously, a defensive player of the year. Now your offense is going to get a nice boost. Uh, The only reason that they've lost some games, I think, is because of some struggles in the fourth quarter. They haven't been, um, you know, too efficient of a team when they need buckets. And Chris Milton's just that guy, right? He's an all-star caliber player. He's somebody that can hit the big shots when they matter. And having him back on the floor is going to be huge. So not going to be shocked if Milwaukee goes on a run and is able to reclaim that seed. But uh, Boston and Milwaukee, two teams that are just going to be duking it out. Staying in the East, uh, I have another quick hitter here is the Washington Wizards. So they might only be a 500 team right now. I've just been impressed with what they've been able to do. I actually think, uh, you know, I've never really liked their approach. That's a team that I thought over the past couple of years probably should have moved Bradley Beal wiped the slate clean and started over. I still think long-term they might not be in the best position here just because, you know, are you going to be more than a 500 team right now with what, what the, the pieces that they have? Probably not. However, they've been a fun story still to start the year. Beal is looking kind of back to his former self. He's been, I think, shooting, you know, he's shooting well above 50% on the year, 55%, maybe something like that from the field this year, um, scoring at will at the rim. And the funny thing has been that the combination of him and Przingis has actually gone decently well it's like Porzingis has been bouncing around uh, you know the league and and now he finds himself um in Washington and he looks kind of rejuvenated I think the other night he almost dropped like 50 points he's playing well uh Washington seems to to know how to integrate and use those two so good for them and uh they have some interesting role players as well Will Barton uh you know Rui Hachimura he's in a contract year so that's something to keep an eye on and yeah, interesting team. They, they st- can totally go in the direction of tanking if they wanted to, because like I said, between Kyle Kuzma, uh, you know, Hachimura's expiring deal, and uh, Danny Avdia, who's played decent at, at times, Monte Morris, like they have pieces, Corey Kispert, that you can trade away and probably get something back for. But I just think with Beal there, he's on a new contract. That's probably not the direction they're going to go. Anyway, we're going to talk more about that uh, later in the show Luis and I will touch on them one last point in the Eastern Conference before we do a quick hop over to the West am I talking too fast if I am I don't want to make anyone's head hurt like that's not the point of the show but if I'm I'm sorry if I'm talking too fast but they're quick hitters people what am I supposed to do it's supposed to be quick so the next point here I want to touch on is the Indiana Pacers man this team is just so young and fun and as a Bulls observer as a Bulls obsessor the Central Division is just scaring the pants off of me. I'm going to be running around naked soon because the Detroit Pistons, the Indiana Pacers are obviously the Milwaukee Bucks. You have them, the Cavs. Like, this division is stacked right now with uh, young talent and teams that have a really bright future, and the Pacers are one of those teams. Obviously, they have moves that still need to be made, and guys need to continue to step up. But Matherin right now, who I loved coming into the draft, he looks like the player that... They wanted him to be right off the bat, averaging 19.2 points per game, shooting 40% from three. Uh, you know, the, the Pacers are winning too, so these aren't just empty stats. These are these are baskets and made points that are coming in wins in big games. Miles Turner, 
Uh, obviously, he's in a contract here, and he's playing some of his best basketball of his career. Uh, extremely well-rounded two-way player right now. And that's a piece that the team would probably be wise to, to, to seek out a trade for, come to the trade market. I know his name's always in the mix. But, yeah, he's young. Maybe if this team's ready to win right away, he'll fit into the picture. I don't know. But they could probably get a good amount for him. They can get more than they initially expected for him. So a name to watch with the trade market coming up, even though we say that every year. And then Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, big shout-out to Tyrese. He's averaging an absurd 11.2 assists per game. He's uh, shooting, I believe, like 38% from downtown. He's almost averaging two steals per game. I don't want to throw this... I don't know. I don't want to throw this comparison out there from the standpoint... Uh, you know, I don't want people to freak out, but, like, I always think at the end of an era for, for superstars, right, like, who's going to be the next version of them in a way? And I look at a guy like Chris Paul, right, and I'm like, who's going to be the next version of Chris Paul? I don't mean that identically from how they play and, and that kind of stuff. I just mean that, like, Chris Paul was kind of your point guard's point guard. He was the, the, the staple over, you know, the past handful of years, the past couple of decades. So the question now is can that be Halliburton like is Halliburton now going to turn into that when we think about an elite point guard if we think about your point guards point guard in the NBA is that going to be Halliburton because his passing is incredible he's playing tremendous basketball and like I said uh, when talking about Matherin he's doing this for a winning team he's just a winning player so I really think that uh, Indiana has found a tremendous piece in Halliburton and Again, I don't want people to freak out with the Chris Paul thing. I, I don't know if Halliburton's a Hall of Famer. I just mean he might now become that player that in, you know, five or so years, six, seven years, we're looking at as, you know, the the face of being a real point guard in today's NBA. Okay, my last quick hitter, we're going to lump some West talk in here. I always focus too much on the East. I'm sorry. It's just that's where my brain's locked in. But we need to talk about the West. And the reason we have to talk about the West is because it looks different than in a lot of years past. If we're looking at it now, you know, who are the teams near the bottom? You have the Lakers, obviously, and I don't want to get into them. You have the Warriors, who have struggled to start the year. You have the Mavericks, who have struggled to start the year. And, uh, you know, even a team like the Trailblazers, they've, they've fallen off after they uh, started the year with, uh, in a strong way with Damian Lillard. So instead, these teams that are at the top, you're looking at the Pelicans, you're looking at the Grizzlies, you're looking at the Kings, even the Jazz have, have you know, even though they've tailed off, they're still in, a, in the top seven in the in the West. So it's very interesting. I think specifically looking at the Pelicans, Grizzlies, and Kings, you know, th- those are kind of two, three, three new powerhouses in the conference. And both the Kings and Pelicans, they're top 10 in effective field goal percentage to start the year. Their offenses have looked great uh, defensively. Both teams have some question marks around what they're, you know, what they can do, and I think that's when, when you think about how they can add, maybe at the deadline or add uh, for years coming forward, it will be to address more of the defensive side of the ball. But still, they have young talent. They look great. They're playing strong, and these new teams start to emerge in the West. Teams that we're just not, you know, used to seeing as as the elite group. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for for the way that that conference is shaping up right now. The Nuggets also have uh, have kind of strung things together. Nikola Jokic is playing amazing, obviously, once again. And I'm almost more excited for the playoffs on that end of the uh, uh, end of the league because while the East is fun, it's tightly contested and all that stuff, I just think that the Celtics and Bucks right now are, you know, far and away the two best teams in that conference. Where in the West, I don't really know who the best team is. You know, you can look at the Suns and say that they are, but you can also look at the Nuggets, obviously. And then the Warriors, if they if they can string some wins together, they'll be right back in that conversation. But it's really up, up there for the taking. And I don't think anyone's going to be surprised if a team like Memphis, Memphis or the Pelicans, they, they are able to kind of, not the Kings, I won't go that far, but <laughs> one of those two teams, what if they make a run to the Western Conference Finals, you know? So that's going to be a really interesting conference to continue watching as the season goes on. All right, those are my quick hitters. Were they quick enough for you? I hope so. Okay, let's move on now to my conversation uh, with my coworker, good friend, smart basketball mind, also a smart football mind, Luis Medina. Okay, joining me now is a coworker uh, over at Bleacher Nation. He runs BN Bears, but he's also a huge basketball junkie. We are now going to talk about the NBA bottom feeders, Luis Medina. Thank you for hopping on. You're the. You, this is actually the uh, first two-time guest I've had is you so oh, man, what an honor what an honor I'm looking forward to the basketball discussion 
as I I always am. So I think what I wanted to do here, some of these teams, uh, I probably I, I touched on a little bit before this, but I want to talk about sink or swim teams is what I'm going to call it. So we're a quarter of the way through the season, and obviously there's teams who need to pick a direction. They need to pick a lane. And especially in a draft like the one coming up, the sooner you can decide uh, what your you know uh, priority is when it comes to winning and losing, probably the better. So I the way I wanted to look at this is not just look at records, but look at the bottom fifteen teams in net rating. Now, some I mean, there's some of these teams that might you know sit a little bit higher than uh, average in the league in terms of the standings. However, I think this is the best way to look at like which teams have the most realistic chance and which team doesn't looking at that net rating is sometimes pretty helpful. So that's the te- that's how I group this. And then I split them in to two categories. Like I said, the swimmers, the ones who should stay afloat, keep going. And uh, the sinkers, the ones who I think, you know, probably should start pivoting in the direction of Wemby, in the direction of Scoot Henderson, and uh, thinking more about next year uh, at this point in the season. So let's start with the swimmers. We'll start with a more optimistic note. And Lou, all I'm asking of you is I'm going to read you my, my swimmers here. And then you can tell me if there's any names that you think should be involved. And also uh, just a quick note for everybody. Uh, Luis and I, uh, you know, obviously both follow the Chicago Bulls very closely. So I'm leaving the Chicago Bulls out of this discussion. And we're going to have a separate discussion on them after yeah. this. So uh, because I don't know what category they should belong in. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, but after we do uh, how everything else looks. So starting with the swimmers here. You can tell me if uh, I, I missed any teams or, you know, we can talk about each of these teams individually. But these are uh, the select group in the bottom 15 in the league that I think still have a chance to do something special this year. Should still keep uh, pushing things toward winning. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, obviously, that's uh, that's the defending champs. The last team that should that probably needs, you know, Wemby is that team. Exactly. Uh, and they have a lot of young talent anyway. That's been the kind of the root of their problem is, uh, you know, going from their starters to a very youthful bench uh, has come with kind of the kinks that you would expect. It's like the difference between having a super veteran team on the floor and then having a team like the Rockets or Pistons on the floor when you go to your bench. It, it, there's a massive difference there. So figuring that out has been a problem for them. But I think we could all agree they have the foundation. They have the stardom to, uh, to to keep aspiring for greater things. They have a coach who's kind of been through this before. So it's it's very it kind of reminds me of the uh, of the Patriots when they kind of start off slow and then people would be like oh well Brady and Belichick are done and then it's like you wake up December first and they're they've already got ten wins it's like wait what how'd that happen right right yeah no that's a great equivalent yeah it's a it's a team that you know I think we all expect to turn it around eventually uh, especially with the way Steph Curry's playing he's having you know another bonkers year and and it's it's only going to be so long before he just single handedly kind of lifts them in a better direction so they're the first obvious team for me. The uh, second team I have in there is the Atlanta Hawks. I think that they need to keep swimming. They've had a, I, I was quite, if anyone who's been listening uh, to the show, um, you know, I've only had like 10 episodes at this point, but if you listen to those, then you know that I was skeptical of the Atlanta Hawks coming into this. I still am skeptical of where they currently stand. However, uh, you know, this is about teams, I think, that that need to keep pushing towards winning, and, and Atlanta doesn't really have another choice. I don't think this is a team that can tank. Obviously, they traded, you know, for DeJounte Murray. They have Trey Young. Those two, usually teams that make a big trade like that, they take some time to figure things out. So they're working through the kinks. Maybe they have a big move in their pocket if they can get someone to take John Collins, or, you know, maybe they look for uh, swapping Capella for, for some sort of different center. But they need another shooter, too. They're actually shockingly shooting some of the fewest threes in the league. But... They're a team that I think is going to make moves, but to, to stay in the direction of winning. And they have enough talent between Trey and DeJounte to, to you know, keep aspiring, uh, like I keep saying, to, to, to greater things. Yeah, that's a team that has, like you said, talent. But it also has that, um, you know, they still have things that they have to figure out. And, and, and they should keep chugging along and not give up on what they thought they had at the beginning of the year. I was kind of skeptical about them too, but they have like, you know, you look at that team and you, you look at Trey and you look at DeJounte and it's just like, well, those two guys are too good for this team to kind of taper off. So like, give them some time. We haven't even hit Christmas yet. So right. that, that's, a, that's a thing. And also that- I think the depth too for them is a big thing. Like they're a team that is very deep. They are still very young as well. I mean, when you have guys like, uh, you know, DeAndre Hunter has struggled to stay healthy, but everyone, you know, everyone pretty much agrees that he's a good player. He's a very, he's a starting caliber player. You have someone like Oneko Kongwu, um, 
you know, they, they have a, a bench of young guys as well, who I think even our AJ Griffin, who was a guy that I thought, um, you know, the, the, the bulls could potentially trade up for in the, in this past draft, he's been playing really well to start the year. So they have, they have a lot of young talent as well. And I just think the direction they're in is, is, is the right one, even though it might not be off to the best start there. Uh, there, yeah, there'll be a team to watch for moves. Um, you know, maybe a head coach change if things don't go super well can give them a type of boost. But, you know, they did that the what last year or two years ago. And McMillan seemed to turn the tide. So I don't know if they have a lot to figure out, but they're not a team that needs to worry about. Like we don't have necessarily uh, the right pieces to win. They just need to figure out who they need to add around their core yeah. and things like that. Um, so Warriors and Hawks are the first team and two teams I think need to keep swimming. The next team yeah. uh, is the Miami Heat. Now, the only reason I say this, actually, and, and there's an argument here for them to go in the sink category, but the only reason I say this is just because they I don't think that franchise has it in them to just like sell everything and, and go. It's more, it's less about how I think they have to swim and more how I don't think Pat Riley is going to give them a choice, <laughs> but I don't they, even think it's Pat Riley. I think it's Jimmy Butler. Like if you told Jimmy Butler, Hey, we're going to sink this. He would like push you up against the wall. I was like, we're going to sink what? Yeah, <laughs> well, that's, Butler, sir, keep on swimming. Yeah, that would have to be that, that would the case for the sink would have to be, you know, he's part of uh, of so he jumps off the ship and he's poking holes in it and he leaves, you know, so like he, he has to be the uh, you know, he'll have to he would have yeah, to leave. James Harden is what he'll have to do. Yeah, Kyle Lowry would have to, you know, leave. He's not in his character. It's not in his blood. I can see Riley wanting to. Right. Like, sure. We've seen the heat kind of bottom out in previous eras to kind of rebuild with a star whether it's tanking as part of uh when they got Dwayne Wade or when they got the second pick to get um who got picked at the Rose uh, Michael Beasley like we've seen them kind of bottom out to fit their purposes but like I don't know I don't know if this team has that in them right now and I just don't know if it would be yeah I, I don't know if the decision would be a mid-season decision I think it would be a little more calculated like all right you know we'll get through this year and then and then we'll reassess where things stand maybe over the summer is when you're starting to weigh the options they're just not a team to me that i think would be a mid-season sell-off team it's not a brash decision kind of no team. it would be way more calculated yeah so uh and, and and also i just think you made a good point there jimmy's not gonna let it happen you know kyle lowry who's not playing well but he's another guy like the, just the way that roster is built like those guys aren't gonna want to let that happen it's not a it's not a submissive bunch so uh we know they're gonna keep aspiring to win however i i do have plenty of questions about whether or not that i mean that core is getting so old i don't necessarily think that they have uh you know what it takes to stay competitive over the next several years we saw them I, I think their window is probably closed you know you've had the two chances you had one nba finals appearance then you had a chance to get there last year and they've had a great run here since butler's arrived but uh it was only going to last for so long and and i don't think you know i don't think tyler heroes this this next piece that's going to lift them to uh greater things it's going to have to be a, a retooling of some sort soon you know if that's this summer if that's a summer from now it's sometime soon so i think after miami i would go with uh i i had the i had the blazers in here now the blazers were a team that uh last year you know hardcore committed to the tank they ended up drafting shade and sharp uh sharp has looked pretty good he was a big question mark in the draft just because he didn't play uh you know for his college se- most of his college season but he's looked really solid uh lillard turns out you know I think I said this in my last podcast. Turns out that Damian Lillard is just really good, and when <laughs> when you have him back on the floor, your team's going to be a lot better. So when he's been out there, he's looked really solid. Anthony Simons. Uh, I also said this. A big reason I think they were okay with getting rid, rid of CJ McCollum was because they knew what they had in Anthony Simons. He's stepping up as that kind of secondary scorer they need. And Jeremy Grant has been actually a great acquisition acquisition uh, for the uh, Blazers as a whole. The Bulls, that was a team a lot of people connected to Grant. Should they trade Pat Will for him? A lot of people right now might be uh, reassessing that trade potentially just because uh, maybe you get Grant a little bit more for someone like Patrick Williams because of how much uh, Detroit loved him. But I'll rant about that. We don't need to focus on that right now. In general, the Blazers uh, have been off to a really hot start. They've looked pretty well-rounded. They have uh, some decent depth, more than they've had in the past handful of years. So, And they're not in a position, right? They're paying dame so much money he's refused he's not leaving he has no plans on leaving like i said simons they have some young guys that are stepping up you might as well just keep pushing forward and, and the west is wide open right now on the one hand i think you're right 
on the other hand, I think that's a team that I wish Wemby could end up on because I feel like Dame should be rewarded at some point for his crazy loyalty. This is a man who has been through so much with that team and that city and that franchise and other rivals who have nudged over the years. Like, hey, man, like when that contract's up, come on down to L.A. or come on down to Golden State. He's like, nah, I'm going to roll here. And like, I feel as if in the modern era of sports, that isn't rewarded enough. And I'd like to see him do better than, I don't know, like what John Stockton was in Utah, where he so he stayed there forever, stayed, played, played out till the wheels fell off. And like, what's his legacy? He made one big shot and lost a couple times to Jordan. <laughs> right. Like, and he punched a bunch of dudes in the nuts on, off screens. That's his legacy. Yeah, and, and, and you know, for, for Dame, you don't want it to be like, uh, you don't want his legacy to be Dame time really never arrived, you know, like it's, right. it's all about Dame time, but it's just like, when is it, when is it, re- when is it really going to be your time? And it just hasn't it's happened yet. Than that. Yeah, so I, I, that's a good point. And I also think with, um, I want to see them keep swimming, but like if, it fell apart and like, oh, they get like, oh, well, hey. Yeah, like Dame got hurt again. And then it's just like, yeah. okay, you know, maybe one other guy gets hurt. And it's like, well, why don't we head in the other direction? It could be worse. But I, I I do think last thing I'll say about the Blazers too is is I just kind of like this team. Like, it's just a very likable team. Like, I'm it's- team on TNT the other night. I was just like, oh, this is on. Yeah. Okay. And I kept I'm like, oh, this is fun. This is visually appealing basketball. Yeah. So their problems always been, you know, they've just never been good enough. And I still don't think this team is good enough, like to really, you know, take to, to take down more of those experienced playoff teams or those juggernauts. But at the end of the day, like they're, they're a fun team to watch. I think they're going to continue to win like a handful of games. What they're 11, 11 right now. So they're probably not going to be a ton better than a 500 team, but that's better than a lot of people kind of projected them to be this year. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun team. I like Josh Hart. Uh, like I said, Shaden Sharps looked good. Nasir Little's coming into his own just a tiny bit. Uh, he's had his his moments. So, yeah, I, I, I like watching this team, and uh, and I want them to do well because I like Dame. But we'll see if we'll, – we'll see. Like you said, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if things bottomed out, but I just don't expect them to do. Uh, you know, they, they plan to keep winning. Okay, I have two more teams left in this keep swimming category. The next one is the Clippers. Another choice because I don't think they have any choice. <laughs> They're in this category because they don't have any choice. Kawhi, even though it looks like they, they – I don't know when he's going to play. He's never healthy. He's hurt again. Same thing with, uh, you know, Paul George. He, he's been able to stay on the floor, but the question is still his long-term health is always a question mark. And this team last year it was so strange because I was so high on this group coming into the year because of the fact that, um, you know, and wait, well, I, I talk about Paul George. He – has been out as well recently. So, you know, they, they both, like I said, they're both not uh, locks to stay healthy for most of the year. And the big thing for me is like, I thought coming into this year that they were going to be super deadly because they basically made the playoffs last year without the two of them. Their depth is insane. Uh, they always play smart. You know, Ty Lue's a great coach. And all they need is those two superstars back on the floor to play well. And they can't play on the, they can't stay on the floor. Integrating them back into the picture has totally messed with their identity. They're not the same kind of, you know, gritty uh, team that they were last year. They were just a tough team to play and an annoying team to play last year. And this year, it seems like they're just not that huge of a problem. So, uh, but at the same time, what are you going to do? Like you have interesting pieces to trade, but is this team really going to go do that when Kawhi and Paul George are sitting on the bench? Like, I don't know. Maybe they should. That's a team where it's just like, yeah, they, if Paul and Kawhi are healthy, they won't sink but if they're not healthy right so how much more do you how much longer do you keep playing the you know playing the game is the question like the, the, you're gambling every year with the health of these guys they refuse to stay healthy so you're right maybe they should but the question is are they going to you know bottom out right now right. no they're they're holding out hope still that these guys will get healthy because if they are then they still are one of the more competitive looking te- on paper competitive looking teams in the west i wonder what steve balmer wants because one, he's a loon, and he's just a wild card. He's like Jim Ursay, but he has manners and like a brain. Um, but I also- can't see. Can you see him? That's what, another reason I put them in the swim category because it's like, can you even see a world where you know they they say, all right, we're we're truly tanking like this now? See, with someone like Balmer who's willing to just keep spending money and do all these things, he just seems like someone to me that wouldn't do more than a year of like, you know, trying to bottom out to get a draft pick. But then after that, it's like. 
no, I want to be back to, you know, playing as hard as possible, even if that's only being a 500 team. Yeah, especially since they're going to be opening a new stadium. They're trying to establish an identity that isn't, you know, the little sisters of the poor that happens to share a building with the Lakers. Right. They're trying to be their own thing. And Uh, I think, yeah, and I think, too, just with the Kawhi and the Paul George thing, it's one of those situations where, like we say, it's 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 the risk reward, right? You got to look at. So they keep risking it, but if you can get, you know, even if those guys, this team just kind of stays e- even in the play-in tournament picture, whatever it may be, and playoff time rolls around, but those two guys are healthy, like you immediately can't rule out, you know, that team. So that's right. the risk that you're running. It's just like, well, are they going to be healthy for that when it really matters most? And and I don't know how much longer they can play that game. I know people are going to talk like okay, how good are they really when they're on the floor anymore? Like, is Kawhi and Paul George really an elite duo anymore? And I'm just like, I'm willing to bet that if they were both healthy, they would be. It's just, are they going to be healthy? It's a big if. Yeah, it's a big if. Uh, Okay, last team in the swimming category I had. uh, This is kind of surprising, but I had the Washington Wizards. And I don't like necessarily how things have gone for the Wizards in recent years. However, I think that what they have right now, like they're another team that doesn't have a big... Let me just preface this whole, or let me just say with this whole column, there's a lot of teams that's like, I don't see another path for you to do anything right now. So you might, you have to keep swimming. And I think the Wizards are kind of that team right now. They're not trading Beal. You know, he's, he is another guy kind of like Dame who seems like he's just going to stay there and, you know, take his money to his credit. He's actually playing very well to start this year. Uh, he's shooting extremely efficiently. The Przingis combination has actually worked out okay. Like what? Przingis almost had 50 points the other night. Like they, they could look worse. And I liked their trades that they made, um, you know, or adding a guy like Will Barton, I think was was a, a decent move for them. And so, yeah, I don't know. Kuzma's a, a good player. They have guys on this team that I think could be good trade assets and other teams might be interested in. Uh, in terms of the role player market, I don't, you know, Przingis and that kind of stuff, I don't know. But they have some role players I think other teams would be interested in. Uh, but, yeah, I don't really see any other path. I think if you're off to a decent 11-11 start, again, it's only 500, but that's better than a handful of teams, and that's better than a lot of people thought. Keep seeing what you can do and, and keep seeing if you can uh, develop some of your younger pieces and and then maybe you can head into the offseason with a little bit of playoff experience and then continue to rework that roster. Yeah, that's a team that probably should keep, you know, chugging along because I feel like that's another guy, Brad Beal. Like it's just, it's the same conversation we had with with Dame. It's just like this guy whose loyalty should be rewarded because, and he's playing well too. So like, right. let him keep cooking. Like let's see, like from a fan standpoint of someone who likes to watch basketball, I want to see what Bradley Beal can do and how far he can drag this team. I want to see if he can do what Dame did out east, basically. Right. The East version of, hey, let's see how great this star player is and see, let's see how he can drag him. Like, I know know some people might not like seeing that, but like, I like seeing players take on big challenges. It's fun. Well, there's also this, and we're going to, we're going to kind of talk about this, I feel like a little later, but another reason teams like the Blazers or, or, you know, which you compare them to or Washington that I put them in this keep swimming category is just like, you can only trade around, trade superstars around so much, you know, like. You can't tank and then trade Dame and, that, and and he goes like you can't not every team can tank and trade their superstar. So it's like at some point you're going to have to have those teams that just like keep pushing and they try to win basketball games. And for a team like the Wizards right now, who they should have embraced. I'm not I'm not like, going to deny that they should have embraced a tank probably like the over the past two, three years. Like that was the decision they should have made. But then they decided to pay Beal. And it's like at this point you have Beal. I don't think he's, he's not going to be easy to trade, you know, in the first year of his contract or whatever it may be. And, um, and yeah, so I, I just think this is a team that doesn't really have uh, much of a choice. You have, you've committed yourself to this superstar or, you know, who you think can be this continue to be this superstar. So continue to try to win games, put yourself in a position to be semi-attractive to potential free agents or potential guys who, you know, give a trade request. I'm sure there's guys that we know there's guys out there who like Beal who maybe would want to play with them. So, you know, just be decent and, and see if you can, uh, attract guys and, and developed, you know, some of your for some of your younger players and then you head into the offseason and, and you reassess what pieces are, are going to be best moving forward you made a very good point not every team can bottom out like it's just the the math isn't mathing for that exactly yeah and, and i think that's something that a lot of people have trouble 
you know, understanding because in, in today's league, it's either like you got to you got to go for the first pit first overall pick or you got to you got to win a championship. And every single season, that's just not going to happen. Sometimes you just have to put yourself in a position to win basketball games and then let the cards fall where they may because and, and that might be because of poor decisions you made in the past. It doesn't matter. We're here and now we're talking about the present. And that's sometimes the decision you have to make for yourself. So again, we'll talk a little bit more about that moving on, but just to recap. So my teams that I think need to keep swimming that are in the bottom 15 in net rating, we have warriors, Hawks, Clippers, heat, wizards, blazers. I think that's a decent bunch. Like we said, I think some of those teams, you look at a team like the blazers, maybe they're one injury away from selling off again. Uh, you know, maybe you look at the heat or, or the Clippers, you know, they, they, those are teams who could decide to go in the opposite direction. They're just in that category for me because I don't think that they will. Okay, now sinking. It's a bigger category. These are the teams who are currently, uh, I think, sinking and should probably just continue to to fall into the depths of the ocean. Some of them I don't think we need to talk about, but you have the, I'm going to list the four teams here that I don't think we really need to talk about much. The Magic. Bye. The, the Pistons. Bye. The Rockets. Go away. And the Hornets. Poor Mike. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't know if we have much uh, to say on any of those teams. I like, and, and this is not to say I don't like what they have brewing. I do. I I am very interested in, especially the Magic. I think Paolo Bancaro's looked amazing. I've talked about him a couple times on this show. Uh, he's just a fit. I mean, physically, he's a beast, and you combine that with his his athleticism, he truly looks like he's going to be a superstar in just a couple of years. You know, you, like how you saw guys like like Ja, when Ja first started playing, you're like, okay, this guy's going to be a superstar. Like we're going to blink and he's going to be one of the biggest names in the game. I don't, you know, Paolo, I don't think is going to reach necessarily a jaw level in two years, but he's going to be an all-star and he's going to look really good. Unless, you know, all, if there's no injury, that's, that's seems like what he's on the trajectory for the Pistons. I also love what they have brewing, but Cade's hurt. And, you know, Ivy looks like he still needs some time to get acclimated. Uh, they're just super young and same thing with the Rockets and, and the Hornets, they don't have anything <laughs> other than LaMelo, but uh, yeah, those three teams, those first three teams, Magic Pistons, Rockets, I really like them, uh, but I they have just... bright futures, but their futures are much down the path. Yes. They're, they're looking, they're already looking ahead and they're going to continue looking ahead. And then if they fall, if Wemby falls into their lap, then that they're going to love that. So uh, that's what we have. If if MJ gets a Wemby, the Hornets, <laughs> that would be that'd be crazy. Um, okay, so those those four are sinking. The next team I have sinking uh, is the San Antonio Spurs. We probably don't need to say much about them either. They look like one of the worst teams in the league. They have zero direction. I think they've seen Wemby coming for the past couple of years, and they've known that this year is that that's what they're going for. Yeah. So, uh, and they have some, they, they do have some guys on the roster if they really want to go for it, that they can trade. And I think get a couple of, uh, draft picks. They got a couple of interesting role players. Um, next I have the Oklahoma city thunder. Now as good as Shea Gilders Alexander has been this year, and he has looked truly amazing. Uh, I put them in the sink category because I refuse to believe that Sam Presti is going to allow this team <laughs> to make a playoff run when Victor Weminyama is on the table. Yeah. I, I just can't see it. No, can't see it. So let's see. That is Magic Pistons, Rockets, Hornets, Thunder, Spurs. All pretty reasonable, I think. You know, just yeah. just in terms of the, how their current trajectory has been, the Thunder would be the question mark. Like, can they just try to maybe try to make a playoff experience for or appearance for Shea's experience? Uh, but let's say Shea gets one little injury, and then the team just sits him for an extra long period <laughs> of time. Chet's already hurt, so. I don't know. I can see them d- deciding to go full in on the sink. All right. So these, these next two teams are probably the most debatable and we'll start with the team that I, I like to talk about the least, but I got to put them in here is the Los Angeles Lakers. So the Lakers, I think personally, I'm on the, they should just fully sink the ship mode. Wait one second. Okay. I just had to check something. The Lakers, I think, are fully on the they just should sink the ship mode. I'm curious to hear what your thoughts on are on this. Uh, I just don't think that they're in a position to even make a trade with those two first round picks that everyone talks about to put them among the, you know, the elites. And, and, and some people throw out trades that I just think are totally unrealistic. I, I just I just can't see a world right now where they can uh, midseason fix things 
to put them in a position to actually compete this season uh, for LeBron. Yeah, Bill Simmons, your trades with the, the Lakers magical picks are, they're just not working out for me. But yeah, the Lakers are a team that should be, man, I, but like, they should be bottoming up because I don't like watching them play. Like that is <laughs> yeah. a pointed mess. That is like, it's like if you put, I don't even know like the comp for me because it's it's just unwatchable. Like LeBron is, it's like a chef in the kitchen who has like really bad ingredients. It's just like, look, I can give you the, I can give you a cake. It might not be the best cake I can give you, but I'm going to give you a cake. And like there, here, here's Russ with some like throwing eggs across the room, and Rob Polinka is on the phone like ignoring that the oven's going off. Right. Like, what what are the Lakers doing other than like making it annoying to turn on the TV and see them on in prime time? Yeah, I think what they're doing, you know, what they're doing is trying to use James and Davis and and stay afloat, and then LeBron's trying to convince them to to trade for you know hopefully a disgruntled star, but. As valuable as those two picks are, even if you go for someone like Miles Turner, who's playing great this year, he's he looks, uh, you know, he is probably going to be traded this year, and he should be, and he looks like a piece that, well, I guess Indiana's winning, so who knows? But uh, I'm sure many teams will be interested. But even if you get Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, like, what is this team truly any better than like a 500 win team? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, unless LeBron really ups his game and Davis starts, because that's the biggest thing too. Like Davis, well, one, the, the health is always a question mark. Right. But two, it's not like he's old Anthony Davis. Like everybody has seen how he's played the past two years. And he really looks like he's hit a bump in the road. And I'm not sure at almost 30 years old, if we're going to see the old version of him that we once thought was MVP caliber. So I, I don't know. And then you're playing guys like Austin Reeves. You're You're playing guys like, Troy Brown Jr. who used to be on the Chicago Bulls and you know your your rotation is so ugly like when you go let's say you even get Miles Turner and Buddy Heald it's not like you're going to your bench and you're feeling you're having a you're having depth that competes well with anybody so I don't know exactly what they're doing here I don't think the front office I think it's been made clear but the front office does not want to trade those picks because they know that they have a very short window here uh, remaining to stay competitive even if you can call it that but who knows? LeBron usually wins. So, <laughs> well, that's the thing is like I see a lot of these mock trades, and it's just like cool that the Lakers get names, but they don't get pieces that actually help LeBron. Like Miles Turner would be nice, but he'll be like, like if you look at what LeBron's teams do when they're successful, they shoot well around him, and that team that team isn't built like that. And two, if the Lakers want to add shooters, guess what? Every other team in the NBA wants to add shooters. So it's not like you're the only team that sees that you need this. Every team needs this. So, yeah, that's a team that should probably just... And even if you had Buddy Heald, right? Yeah, like you say, like a player like Buddy Heald, amazing amazing three-point shooter who would fit. Obviously, the fit right there next to LeBron is obvious. Even if you add someone like him, like you just said, that's one shooter on a team where there's no other guys that you trust to shoot the basketball well. Yeah, they're and, not one shooter and one big away. And you're and Miles Turner obviously can hit the three, but that's not a high, we're not talking about a high volume shooter there. So, um, yeah, like I said, those two guys, I don't question that they would make them better, but they're not making them a team that I, I'm actually scared, scared of. No, no, and 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 that's why for me it's like you got to sink the ship. What do, what do you do? Because we talk about we said, mentioned it earlier. You talk about teams who the type of teams who should tank right, are the ones who are clearly going for a team like that has LeBron, right? A team that has LeBron. It's like for when you have LeBron James, it's championship or bust every single year. And this year it's bust. There's no denying it. <laughs> and they screwed themselves up with the Russell Westbrook trade. You got to try to find a way to get off of that. And I think this year it's like a just sink your ship and then maybe come back and, and hope better luck next year or next time because you're not going to add anything that that fixes the problem this year. Okay, the last team that I want to put on this list here, on the sinking list, is the New York Knicks. So the reason I put them in here is just because I don't fully understand what their direction is right now. Uh, They also are absent of any kind of superstar. So when we talk about these teams earlier who should keep pushing for it, right, we brought it up. A lot of them have superstars. A lot of them have a Bradley Beal, a Damian Lillard, like guys that 
if they're on your team, you don't really have any other choice but to keep trying to win unless, uh, you know, you trade those guys or, or those guys uh, force their way out. The Knicks, on the other hand, this is still a team who, while they have role players, again, that I, I've said this about other teams that I like, you know, I, I do like guys like Isaiah Hartenstein. He was someone I was hoping the Bulls would sign. I honestly like guys like Obi Toppin, uh, Jericho Sims, uh, obviously Derek Rose because sometimes still has some value left in him. Uh, around the league miles mcbride they have a number of of names that i actually like on this roster the problem is they don't have any superstar um and you know it's it's hard to imagine that this team really is going in any clear direction the 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 thibodeau fit doesn't really work anymore and i'm just a bit confused about about what to think of this team jalen brunson i've said it before as much as i like him he's like a third piece to the puzzle rj barrett it's hard to understand right now if he's a you know a piece that you could truly continue to build around in terms of being that all-star caliber player who takes you uh, up a notch. Julius Randle, uh, credit to him for playing better this year. You know he's kind of playing. People have said it, but he's playing in between that level of what he did a couple of years ago when he was like an All NBA player, and then when he was horrible last year. He's actually back to just looking like a decent big man, but. None of that is enough to, to push this Knicks team in any sort of interesting direction. And, you know, the Knicks need a superstar. They've been looking for one forever. You've tanked for years. Why not just have, you know, why not keep it going and just finally try to get that big name because you're dying to get one? I, I think it's hilarious that the Knicks always find themselves in this situation, mostly because every year this happens with them, like, Signing a player that they're trying to force into superstar mode who isn't a superstar. Like Jalen Brunson's a nice player, but like he wasn't going to be the game changer that Knicks fans thought he would be. So now here we go again with this team that should be bottoming out, should be sinking and seeking a superstar through that path, but is still kind of just middling because it's it's essentially what they want. Right. And and I think too is, is, with uh you know the i mean maybe yes you see an all-star future in rj barrett's uh you know a couple years down the road i don't know maybe you see that for him but the reason too that i think this is a team that should just embrace a sinking ship is because they have a lot of pieces i think that could draw some interesting you know uh pieces back in are on the trade market you know you guys you have guys like rose and quickly have already been mentioned as, as names they're possibly willing to to um give to other teams quickly is a little weird since he's younger that's like probably a guy they should be trying to invest in but whether it's hartenstein or you know maybe a, some team takes a fournier's contract he's still a viable th- or, you know a pretty viable three-point shooter um Toppin's a big name that a lot of teams i'm sure are going to like uh, around the league and then barrett is still an interesting piece that i'm sure pl- uh, teams would take a piece on so yeah I, I don't know it's an interesting situation that they're in like you said they kind of always put themselves in this situation uh, they just need to, unless they think, hey, let's build an interesting enough, you know, team of role players, then finally a star is going to try to come or demand a trade here or we're going to get one. You missed out on Donovan Mitchell, you know, unless somebody like, I don't know, unless someone like Levine on the Bulls becomes available or Shea Gilders Alexander tries to demand his way out. Like, I don't know what they're trying to do here. And they, they should just continue to add assets and use another, take another chance at the lottery balls this year, especially considering who's available. I realize it's a different GM and front office structure, but they tried the the core play that the role player find a star rebuild when they tried getting Carmelo, and then they traded all of those pieces to get Carmelo. It's like he was going to sign with you anyway. Ugh. Yeah, it's it, I don't know. I don't really know what it, it, it's. Yeah, the main reason I throw them in there is just because I I don't know what their game plan is, and it's hard to see a path forward where. Um, you know, they land somebody, I guess, I guess that's the only thing that you can say is that, you know, they have, uh, they do have some picks. Like we said, they do have some interesting enough young talent. We're like, if someone does become available here, that's why they were in the running for Donovan Mitchell. That's why it made sense. They're in a position to land that guy. It's just like, how much longer are we going to keep talking about this organization landing, you know, a big name free agent or a big name trade target, but then they either, can't close the deal in free agency or they just refuse to pull the trigger mid-season or you know over the offseason or whatever it is on the trade market to get the deal done we just keep talking about it it's not happening so uh i don't know i guess we'll find out but i i don't see a world where what they're doing right now makes more sense than just pursuing you know a generational talent in uh in in wemby 
So I actually think that kind of beautifully, I'll real quickly recap, but I actually think that beautifully transitions into what we're, what I want to discuss about the Chicago Bulls and about just the idea of, of who should tank in general. Uh, but I will recap the sinking teams that I have on my list are Magic, Pistons, Rockets, Hornets, Thunder, Spurs, Lakers, and Knicks. Now, where do the Bulls belong <laughs> between the swimming and the sinking? I think that's uh, I think that's a question that's hard to answer. It's one that I'm not, you know, convinced necessarily convinced in either either direction. All I know to, to to start this off before you give your thoughts, Lou. All I know is that the Bulls aren't necessarily in as good of a position as somebody, let's say, like the Knicks, to just throw their hat in the ring and tank. What the Bulls have done over the past couple of years is not only build a new identity and make clear that winning is the priority, signing Zach Levine to a long-term contract, uh, giving Billy Donovan an extension, but they've also added, you know, veteran talent and veteran pieces. So I don't know. For me, I'm of the position for them, especially because of the Zach Levine signing and things like that, that they're one of those teams that more so needs to retool in a way than completely bottom out and start over. I'll have I'll have more to say on this, but I think we're on a similar page, and I'm just going to give you the floor real quick about what you think about the Bulls and, and just you know tanking in general. Ideally, if you, you if you see the Bulls uninspiring start, the the gut reaction is to be like blow it all up and go for the tank. But like you said, they're not really well positioned for that. Further, this is a team that just went through blowing it up, and they're kind of in a place where they can, sure they could trade some pieces here and there and get some assets, but those aren't assets that'll necessarily get you to a place where you're securing a spot to get the number one pick. So, right, there's already teams that are going to be worse than the Bulls. Let's just get that clear. Like if a team like if you want to, and I mean that's the problem too with other teams. I want to tank. You talk about with the Knicks, those things. As sinkers that are already sinking, mm-hmm. and the teams that we listed as swimmers that could sink. Not even just the swimmers who should sink, but the swimmers that. If an injury happens to to Kawhi that keeps him out for forever, or uh, Dame doesn't come back, or you know, th- there's several other players who, oh, if this guy is out for a while, they go into that sinker category without even hesitating. The Bulls, even with their struggles early, aren't in a position where, well, if that, well, if like if Zach Levine doesn't come back, then it's over. It's like, well, you know, Demar's still kind of chugging along and he's still playing well and maybe that opens up things for Vooch. And I, I think there is a conversation that is ha- happening among Bulls fans that they want the tank, not necessarily to just blow it up, Is there's a desire to want a superstar. And I get it. Who doesn't want a superstar? But the, these Bulls right now tanking, I don't think that's a viable path. Well, I just think, too, like you bring it up, a lot of people, they want a superstar really bad. But then, and I think this is something that you and I were talking about the other day in, in, in terms of, of just tanking uh, overall, but specifically in, in the Bulls case, is a lot of teams want, a lot of, a lot of fan bases, even franchises, want a superstar. But then the legwork that goes into finding one can yeah. be immense. And I think we it, Bulls fans just saw, you know, and the organization just saw what that process looks like by having a basically five year drought of nothing and finding nothing and, you know, finding nothing in the draft, all their draft picks are pretty much gone. You know, like they, they didn't get, they didn't land anybody. They played the lottery balls game, but there were teams that were always tanking harder and it never fell in their favor. So it's a very luck based system. And at some point I think you have to try another uh, method. And that's why I did, very much appreciate for and i think a lot of this was actually the story nationally which i appreciated as well um in the national media was that people kind of enjoyed the fact that it was a change of pace for the bulls it wasn't the kind of just losing every year trying to develop guys that weren't really developing it was okay this new front office came in made some big moves we'll see if they work out but it's nice that they made big moves you can't just do that for a year year and a half and then stop in my mind it's like 
you have to do they have an out let, let me also say do they have an out yes you can trade booch you can trade demar you can see what zach's market is you could trade a guy like pat but that wouldn't make much sense if you were tanking regardless you have some pieces that actually can get you back some interesting uh, assets potentially but the point is that you change directions and it's so hard to now pivot back in the opposite direction instead in my brain it's like You've done enough now in this one direction where you need to stay and continue to push ahead in, in in that way, which is continue to stay aggressive and adding the trying to find the right talent around your piece because I think everyone can believe like Zach Levine's not going anywhere right now. So he might not be a bona fide superstar, but he's a piece to your puzzle. And now the goal needs to be to continue to find the right pieces around the puzzle. DeMars and him have fit okay together. Maybe that means trading Booch. You know, maybe that, and like I said, you might take a step back this year, but we're not talking about a multi-year rebuild here or a multi-year tank job. You're talking about having to restructure what you did because clearly what this front office thought could work out has not worked out. And all you need to do is not only watch them, but look at how impossible it is for them to hit a a three-point, you know, a three-pointer, how impossible it is for them to protect the rim. Devin Booker and uh, DeAndre Ayton just carved them up in their previous game against the Suns. Like, and their offense is just completely stagnant. Even though you have three offensive-minded all-stars, you can see that those three together are not meshing. And you can't just say Lonzo Ball is going to fix everything because one, he's not. And two, you don't know if he's ever going to be healthy again. So it's more about retooling the pieces for me than saying, let's sell everything and clean the slate. And the last last, uh, little point I'll make here real quick is just, you know, I I would rather, I guess this all goes back to what I would rather see. And what I would rather see is a front office who came in and was aggressive right away. I would like to see them clean up their mess instead of get the privilege of cleaning it all up or, you know, wiping it all clean and starting over for several years. You know, we've seen that happen with past front offices. What I would prefer is for this front office to kind of have more of the pressure of, hey, fix what the problem you just made over the past couple of years instead of, okay, all right, all right, we're just going to start over. Because that's a dangerous thing to get into. You know, when you try not to fix things and you try to just start over every time, then you could be doing that every couple of years. I always come with the cooking analogies. And I and I think of the bulls, these bulls, as when, like, when I was younger and I was taught you can put too there's there you can put too much salt in something, but you can't take but you can't take salt out. Right. What the Bulls are, they are in a place where they need some more ingredients, but there isn't one thing that can fix them. So what you need to do is instead of throwing away the whole bowl of pasta, is okay, what can I do to to kind of not necessarily mask what but like I have to put this dish out for people. I can't just dump it. What can I do here? Okay, well, I can make a roux and turn this these noodles into like mac and cheese. I can throw some Lowry's uh, seasoned salt and give it some flavor. I can, you know, add some chicken and, and make it into something that people will eat. I Throwing it away just doesn't do anything that other than like make someone happy that they're not getting mac and cheese. Well, you have to start making a whole new recipe. And I, and I understand like sometimes I get that certain fans are going to want that, right? Like sometimes I understand it's like, let's just like, nope, this is, it's not working. We got it. Where it's not viable just to, throw, don't, what's the saying? Don't throw the baby away with the bathwater. Like that's what yeah. the are right now. Don't just dump it out because there's a shiny new toy coming in, in Victor. Because it's not possible, like you said, like and as we've discussed, there are so many more teams doing their tank better than the Bulls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's just not plausible. And at this point, you—it's it's true. I've seen this point kind of made uh, across the the social media sphere. Is that like at this point, it's possible that your odds aren't going to be that much better anyway if you started to try to tank right now. Like, with the Bulls are not going to be getting a top three odds to 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 land a number one pick it's not happening at this point it's not so if that's not happening and your pick is only top four protected this year which is an important point that we should mention as well that it will go to the magic if it does not land in the top four that's why i think people are so urgent well let's just try to do it because no you're not landing in the top you're not getting top three chance at the number one pick at this point there's way worse teams than you 
And unless you really you find a way to get rid of everybody and just bench everybody, and you lose every game from here on out. But that's not going to happen when you have a player like DeMar DeRozan, you have an all-star like, or, you know, you have a guy like Vooch. Like, it's just not going to happen. So in my mind, this is not a go for lottery balls kind of season. The pick isn't even yours. If it lands outside top four, the last thing you would want is a fifth. You get the fifth pick and it ends up in the pockets of the magic again. And that trade looks even worse than it already is. It it, it could all get so ugly if you're going to go in that direction. So in my mind, you just need to continue pushing ahead, even though it might be ugly right now, you need to just, you know, you do try to fix it. Like you said, try to make something because if you throw the whole dish away and you don't even try to get it right, you well, might, it might be years before people eat. And, and instead right now people are eating. It's not necessarily very good, but people are going to eat right now and you can try to find a way to make it, to, to make it more appetizing. And I'd rather go in that direction. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's the better way to go about it. Now, if we're having this conversation this summer, like, like this, and this is a conversation for later, but like reassess this whole situation this this coming summer. Oh, absolutely. You know what your picks are going to be. They're not going to be going to the Magic. You you have Levine hopefully fully off, you know, the surgery and, and, and playing at full, at full health. Maybe you've traded Vooch and you've cleared some space and, and some maneuverability there. It's just they're just not in a place to pivot strongly one way or another. Right, successful. That's the like they can pivot. They can sure they can absolutely throw all this stuff away and 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 try to bottom out. But it's not the odds. The odds are just not in their favor to do it in a successful way. They can do it. They're just not going to do it. Right. It depends. And like I said, it all comes down to like what you want and what I I want watching this team at least pulling my or putting myself in the in just like the shoes of a fan and an observer of the team. What I want is for a franchise to continue to try to win basketball games after a half decade of not caring at all and losing basketball games. So even if that means that it doesn't look like this current team right now, which I don't think it should, I think changes need to be made. Like I said, I think trade should happen. I don't think, you know, I'm, you know, I'm pretty right now. I don't think Vooch is fitting in with the future picture of this team. They need a more, you know, defensive minded rim protector. They obviously need more shooting. There's a ton that this team needs. But I would uh, I would rather try to add those things to Levine, to even Demar potentially, to uh, Io, you know, to Caruso, to uh, even a ba- or Patrick Williams. You know, you could continue to give him a chance if you want. But either way, I'd con- I would like to continue to try to add. Then I would like to try and completely bottom out and see another couple years of crossing fingers and hoping you end up with the right piece. Because it also doesn't the last the kind of like last thing I'll say about um, why I don't think it's the right direction either is because then you're seeing this front office. The thing that was attractive actually about this front office right away was they came in and they were aggressive, right? Like Demar was like, "Oh, this team looks like they want to win, so I'm going to come here," and he's been really good since he's been here. Lonzo, who was great when he was healthy, you know, you can't you can't knock the guy for just not being healthy. It's not his fault, but he was a marquee name you know a bigger name free agent who decided i'm going to come to chicago we haven't seen these players caruso same thing we haven't seen players actually decide they wanted to come to chicago even getting a guy like drummond and Drogic to sign on this year was not necessarily easy there were other teams that would have been interested very interested in veteran players like that so if you have a team that this front office and then just goes uh never mind let me wipe the slate clean we're gonna go tank i think the bulls are back to being you know, that kind of head scratching, like what for free agents and all that stuff. So if you think, well, they tank and then they could just use all that money that they now have opened up to sign a free agent. How are you getting a free agent to come here when the front office after a year and a half decided to completely blow things up? Yeah. People forget that there's a human element of this. And it's, right. like you said, if you're a free agent and you see the bulls blow it up again, how do you trust how do you trust a front office, even if they're giving you gobs and gobs of money? And and we've heard free agents talk about that in other sports where it's just like, yeah, they were interested in me, but you know, I didn't really trust the direction of the front office based on what I've seen. Well, you talk about gobs of money too. Other teams, other teams have gobs of money. You know, like it's it, you're competing at all times. It's rarely are you going to be the one team that, that you see it year after year. Cap space is becoming meaningless. T- the the tank teams that have cap space 
aren't wanting they're they're not getting superstars you know big names aren't going to come there it's all about the trade market now anyway so you know you rarely are teams signing marquee free agents anymore it's all about having you know assets to trade for them or just be attractive destination that they tell their franchise i want to go there or i want to play there or tell their agents somehow find me a way to get there so yeah for the bulls i just think it's a lose-lose right now tanking this early. And like you said, maybe we readjust this conversation at the end of the season because it's the offseason and you have things starting to open up and more opportunities are opening up and the your picks are back in order and cap space is, uh, you know, or, you know you're signing role players through free agency, Vooch's contracts off the books. Things can change. But in terms of the people that are like, right now, blow it all up, trade everybody. You can trade some pieces if you want. But trading the <laughs> Zach and Damar and the biggest names like on this team, I just don't think that uh, it makes a lot of sense. It's not plausible. It's very fantasy, and I love playing fantasy GM, but it's 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 just not plausible. Right. Yeah. It, right now, the second to blow it up. Right. All right. Well, Luis, as always, thank you for for helping helping me just sort things out in my brain and uh, talk about some basketball. Stuff. It was a pleasure. Always is.